Welcome to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. My name is Brandon Adams, lifestyle entrepreneur and inventor, passionate about helping others with creating something great and becoming unforgettable. Each week we discuss helpful tips on becoming a successful entrepreneur and interview other entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Our goal is to help take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brandon Adams, and today we have Clayton Mooney. He is a online poker professional and now a startup junkie. He actually comes from Iowa State University back in my old stomping grounds. I went to school there in 2008. Wow, that it's been a long time. It feels like ages ago, but I graduated in 2012, and he's actually back there now. But today's show, we talk about his success and how this kid turned $50 into eighteen grand. He left college. He actually went and did some online poker, and then they shut things down in the U.S. and made it illegal. So then he went to a corporate job. He worked in Denver for a year. He made the decision to get up and sell everything he owned, and he moved to Ireland, talk about a change, and played poker again. And then we discuss his successes playing poker, some tips he gives. He, he'll give you great tips on how to become successful at playing poker. Talks about how this guy, he made $30,000 in eight hours playing in a tournament. And then we talk about after his life in the poker world, how he actually went back to school and now he has become a startup junkie. He's in a few startups and right now, Kinasol is one of the successful ones that they just I think won $40,000, two different grants for their company, and he talks about that. He talks about an app he's developing. We discuss what it takes to develop an app, and at the end, he gives some great advice. I mean, great advice that young entrepreneurs can really take to heart. It can help you guys with your business, with life, everything. So a lot of good stuff in this show. I'm excited we're going to have a lot of fun, but before we get started, I want to do a shout out to our sponsor, Arctic Stick. Arctic Stick is a new innovative product that both cools and flavors your bottled beverage. It works great for you if you're going to go to the gym, you can put your desired liquid inside and freeze it if you want to keep your drink colder longer. Maybe you want to keep your drink cold throughout the whole workout, drop it in your drink, it'll keep it colder for a longer period of time. Now, if you like to take alcoholic shots or energy shots, it can be used as a shooter as well. You pop the top, take a shot, easy as that. You can get yourself some Arctic Sticks by going to arcticstick.com. That's www.arcticstick.com. And now, let's get into today's show with Clayton Mooney. It's time to learn how to become a poker pro. Let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brandon Adams, and today we have Clayton Mooney. Clayton, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Hey, I'm having a lot of fun here. We're in Ames, Iowa, my old stomping grounds, Iowa State University, and 
we're in your dorm room here, or apartment, which reminds me of the college life. I mean, if we had a beer in our hand right now, we would be at college. It would be awesome. That's right. But uh, it's good to be back here. I'm excited to hear your story. You actually got to Iowa State in 2008, the year I did, and you came here for a little bit, and then you kind of led into your entrepreneurial in poker, which most people would be like, how is poker relate to entrepreneurship? Well, you'll explain to that uh, to us today, but let's get started. First, tell me where you got started, uh, how you got into Iowa State, what it kind of made you the day where you're like, hey, I want to go and play poker. So let's lead into that. Okay. So I started in 2008 as a business econ major. And before I had moved up to Ames, I was attending Indian Hills Community College. So I got my AA my first two years out of the way. And then uh, once I got up to Ames, I'd been dabbling in online poker for a little bit. And I had some early successes. So when I started in the fall, you could say I probably had about 75% of my mind on school, 25% on <laughs> poker. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> and then that slowly transitioned to where I had about 90% of my mind on poker, 10% on school. So I decided at the end of spring of 2009 that I would leave Iowa State to pursue professional online poker uh, and then coach. What? So what? who introduced you to poker that made you realize you wanted to do that? Oh, World Series of Poker on ESPN, <laughs> I'd say, when I was about 17. You know, I, I don't know too much about poker. I do know one thing. There's a guy named Brandon Adams out there. <laughs> And people have actually added me on Skype before and said, hey, how, how's your poker going? It's like, what? And then I realized there's another Brandon Adams out there that's a pro at poker. Oh, yeah. But that's that's all I really knew about it. So you got introduced to poker, and you realized you could actually make money at it. Now, how, how does it even work if you're playing poker online? So online poker is pretty cool because you can start with a really small amount, and you can play tournaments ranging from you know a dollar clear up to $10,000. And since they have bigger fields, so more players, uh, the winnings. So if you jump in a $5 tournament, you still have a chance of winning thousands. And uh, so I launched, or when I started playing on PokerStars and uh, Full Tilt, you could play 5 and $10 tournaments that rewarded you know, a month's rent pretty easily. So I started with 50 bucks and ran that up into what I believed could be like six months worth of living expenses for Ames. And uh, that's right when I left uh, Iowa State. I had that to my name. And so I, I couldn't really have too much space to fail at the time. But thankfully, it just started off. And I had a lot of success all throughout my uh, couple of years. So, wait, you said you started with 50 bucks, And what did you build that up to? Uh, about 18000 Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so $50 investment. You learned how to play poker. And you turned that into eighteen grand. That, that just blows my mind. So what technique, what does it take to be good at poker? I mean, when I think poker, I think you got to bluff people. And, I mean, when you're playing online, obviously you don't see the people, so that's not part of the game. Tell me where the mathematics, and you were explaining before how it's really complex, and you can outthink the system. Yeah, so uh, online poker, it's all very much statistics-based, and you can use software to keep track of your opponent's hands and their tendencies. Yeah. And then you want to exploit their their weak spots, of course. And uh, then also with online poker, you can add and play multiple tables at once. So you could be playing up to, I think at my, my high point, I've been playing 40 tables. And every table averages about 80 hands an hour. So you can play almost 3,000 hands an hour. 
Wow. So you, you get a large sample size really quick. So you get a lot of experience much quicker than playing uh, live. So you were saying exploiting somebody's weakness. How do you, when you're playing against somebody, I, I want to know these tips. I might okay. be playing poker <laughs> later today. Uh, the biggest one is um, the fundamentals. People will bet too small or bet too big. Uh, and they their hands will be kind of face up for you. After you've played so many hundreds of thousands of hands or millions of hands, you realize people that have make fundamental mistakes which i still do from time to time um, they're the easiest ones to go after uh, because they are costing themselves money every time they play a hand yeah so are you taking the approach that if you keep with the same system throughout the board basically do the same thing eventually the people that make the mistakes are the ones where you get their money right mm -hmm. yeah as long as you can adapt to everyone else's tendencies so what are the main things you notice about a rookie playing what do they do uh they bet small when they need to bet big uh, they like their bluffs are are very clear because they don't want to invest too much money but they still want to win the pot yeah uh or they bet really really big when they open uh, they might have aces or kings and so on so if i'm gonna bet against you let's say i have an awesome hand and what would i what would you think i would do to bet against you would i bet more than I had planned, try to hide it, but actually just come out and be like, hey, I'm all in? Or how would you notice if I am I have a good hand, I'm betting on it? Uh, you'd probably bet bigger. Yeah. So from the get-go, you'd bet really big. If we go to the flop, um, you might bet really, really big, no matter what the board is. And uh, and then by the river, you're wanting to get all your money in so you can double your money. Okay. You know, you might actually sit down with me later and we'll make some money. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So... You were in the U.S. doing this, and you said that what you do that for two years. You played professional online poker, and then they took that away. Is that how? yeah, yeah? And, uh, Tell me about that. In April of 2011, uh, online poker went down in the U.S. So the Department of Justice uh, closed down the sites or the access to the sites, yeah. and uh, confiscated almost all the funds. And uh, all of us U.S. players had no idea what was going on, how long it would take to get back to where it could be regulated, possibly. Yeah. And uh, some of my friends moved abroad to continue playing. And at that point, I decided that I wanted to return to school and pursue um, creative writing. So I jumped back into Iowa State uh, as an English major with a minor in technical communication. So you started doing writing. Mm -hmm. And you were a freelance, too. I mean, so you, you did some work for other people as well? Mm-hmm. Tell me, I mean, how do you go from being a poker player to doing creative writing? I mean, where does that even come about? Uh, while I was playing poker, I liked to blog about my results. Yeah. So I had an early blog. I would basically just post something poker-related uh, once a week. Had a few followers, and it felt really good just to get it out there because it felt like nothing was on my shoulders after I wrote about a bad beat or a really bad week with playing. Yeah. And then it was just fun to write about my travels. And, uh, and then I knew that I wanted to at least get better at it. And of yeah. course, when it went down and I was in Ames, um, Iowa state was the answer. <laughs> so you did that. You, did you finish your degree at Iowa state then, or you'd finish that. And then you said you moved to Denver then. So yeah. what went from there? Uh, so I finished up in summer of 2012, uh, with my BA and took a job as a marketing writer for dish network, um, at their headquarters out in Denver. Uh, and I moved, I think like six days after I finished up here at Iowa state. And 
what was that job like? I mean, anything you could take away? I mean, did you realize you don't ever want to work for anybody again? Yeah, it was a really, really good example of corporate America, I'd say. So, of course, salaried, entry-level employee. Yeah. Uh, you're in Cubicle City. Yeah. And I, I found out really, really quickly that I could never treat it as a long-term long-term did job. Did part of you say, I, I just got to go back to poker? I mean... Yeah, I, every other every other week, I'd say, I'd had some kind of... Uh, flashback to where I was making my own hours, making a way better hourly and so on and so forth. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, this is job security. I should be thankful and grateful that I have a job right out of college. Yeah. And uh, so I, I toughed it out for as long as I could. So you, you made a big change. I mean, you were there for a year, but then you made the decision to get up and I mean, just completely make a flip in your life. So tell me what you did. So I had some friends visit and uh, they were all talking to me about why I should probably look into playing online poker and coaching again in another country. And uh, I thought it was a crazy idea, but then I went home that night and I started thinking that there was nothing really tying me down to Denver or the States. So I looked into moving abroad um, to Western Europe. Uh, I applied for a visa to Denmark and Malta, and they both approved me for six-month visas. But then I was on a poker forum and... Uh, realized that Ireland is pretty relaxed for granting one-year holiday visas to Americans. Yeah. So I applied for that, and then three business days later, Ireland granted me with a full year. That don't happen very often, does no. it? <laughs> uh, I, I guess that they are probably the easiest to get a one-year visa from, but especially the turnaround. I was, I was amazed just to get the approval right away. And y- you got up, I mean, sold everything you had, and just moved to Ireland? Yeah, I, I put in a two-month notice at work because they were getting ready to start a new program, and they'd asked me to uh, help with it. And I, I felt bad by jumping into it and then putting in a two-week. And <laughs> so I started getting rid of everything. Uh, I told myself I had to adjust to living out of a backpack and suitcase. So I got rid of almost three-fourths of my clothes, uh, like my my desktop computer, my computer desk, my uh, basically like my couch, my cookingware, everything. And the day I left, I made sure everything could fit into a rental car Jeez. to get back to my parents' house in Blakesburg, Iowa. And then I left for Dublin about a week after that. Wow. that I've always thought about just selling everything, getting up and just changing my life and going somewhere. But that's awesome. You did that. It takes a lot of courage. You went across uh, overseas. And tell me how your experiences. You got back into poker. You were going strong. Oh, now, yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, so it starts with, I landed in Dublin and had a taxi take me to a coffee shop downtown to get on Craigslist to find a place to stay. So you had no idea where you were going. You just got up and left. No idea whatsoever. And I, I started doing a lot of research in Ireland uh, ahead of time, but then I realized that I was getting anxiety. So I, I figured I would just go and not know. I know that's that's scary to say now, but looking just back, jump I think off the cliff. Yeah. I mean, go full. Fork. Yeah. Yeah. Hope the parachute's going to work. And, yeah. uh, yeah, so I ended up uh, finding a place to stay. Ended up working out perfectly for me. Uh, still friends with everybody that rented uh, the room to me to this yeah. day. And within a week and a half, I was playing live poker, waiting for uh, the online sites to basically open up my accounts again since it had been so many years. Yeah. And uh, I knew one person in all of Ireland when I moved there. Uh, my very first online poker coach, David Lappin. And he introduced me to the Irish poker scene. A lot of awesome guys that they all travel as a as a group uh, all around Western Europe playing the the EPTs and UKIPTs. 
bunch of poker tours. Yeah. So out of your experience, I mean, you did some, not only just online poker, but you did play in a few tournaments, Mm -hmm. but what, I guess, what would be your biggest winning to date playing poker? Uh, so online, uh, I won a tournament for just shy of 30,000 while I was over in Dublin. So that was, that was pretty And that was in one day. Yeah. So what was your investment to get into that? Uh, $75. (laughs) So you turned 75 bucks into 30 grand within 24 hours. In about uh, eight hours, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Now, try to do the math on that, what that hourly rate yeah, that, is. I mean, that's awesome. That's crazy. What was that feeling like when you won that much money? I mean, going into it, did you think you were going to win? I mean, do you so, have that mindset, or was it like, dude, I'm getting the cards? Uh, I mean, everything has to go right, especially when you win a tournament with you know thousands of people that entered it. Yeah. But to have that momentum <clears throat> uh, going into – the final table so that just the final nine players and and feel like you're just that many players away from from a winning a tournament and b winning that amount so when i did i sat back and i'm just and i had a bunch of other tables going at the time so i couldn't really jump up and celebrate or anything but i realized that i just won a year's salary so to speak so <laughs> so i knew the trip was worth it right then and uh i had some early success before that in dublin uh, where i won smaller tournaments for uh just shy of uh five figures and I had even won uh, a couple local tournaments. So on that year, you were on track. I mean, you were killing it. How much? What's the most you've got in a year's time for playing poker alone? Uh, before I split percentages with investors, um, right around sixty. So what? Uh, wait, you said investors. So do you go out and get investment from people to get into these tournaments, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah, you can look for staking deals, so where um, the stakers pay for all of your entry fees, and then you split profits a certain percentage okay. a certain way. Or if you're playing a really big tournament and your bankroll doesn't uh, support that buy-in, yeah, then you can sell off whatever percentage you want, and you can usually sell at a markup too. So based on your previous experience, uh, people will understand your ROI going into it, yeah. So they'll pay you accordingly. See, I would have never known that. So. Well, I guess if I look at it this way, in Vegas, if you don't pay the guy back, they break your fingers, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, poker went good. Obviously, I, I don't know anybody else personally who has made $30,000 in a day from doing something like that. That is awesome feeling. And now, you have a site, you do blogging, and you even do coaching as well, correct? Uh, yeah, I've stepped back from coaching since I got back to the States. Uh, I feel like I'm kind of out of the loop with online because the yeah the game changes almost every month. Uh, but yeah, so my website is just claytonmooney.com and I've been blogging for a little over a year now. And you have a pretty good following from that, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, over a dozen languages it's translated into uh, a lot of my followers are from the UK and Ireland. I think the States is actually the third, third largest follower. Really? Yeah. I, when you mean a dozen languages, it's just in different countries or do you, how do you have it translated? How does that work? Uh, so the back end of my site, I can check to see how many average views I I get per post uh, what countries are reading, what languages, and what search uh, tendencies people have to find my blog. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. So you moved back to the States, and you decided to go back to Iowa State University again. Choose your adventure at Iowa State. (laughs) That's right. Needed another adventure. (laughs) So tell me where you're at now. So you're at Iowa State University. You kind of put the poker on the back burner. You You don't play poker now, correct? No, I've never. Let's see. Yeah, I can't think of the last time I played poker. I think it was in Ireland. 
So, so now you're in the startup community. And before we get into the startups you got your hands into right now, tell me how poker can relate to running a business or a startup. I mean, really, you said it's a lot of mathematics. Yeah, uh, the biggest thing I would say is when you start playing poker and that's your sole source of income, you should really focus on treating it like a business. So you have to understand, uh, you know, to have a sustainable business, you have to make um, proper investments. You have to not take really big risk at the beginning. And uh, and then when you start playing full time, if you're treating it like a business, you can, you know, eventually scale up so you can move up in stakes, so to speak. Uh, but then poker really prepares you because you you end up losing about half the sessions you play. So it prepares you really well for failure and just to kind of get used to having a losing day and having a bad day. You know, like I've always said before, failure, people look at it as bad. Like, I'm afraid to fail. But you have to fail in order to succeed, to become very successful. And obviously, you see that in poker. Mm -hmm. you got to know going into it that you're going to lose. It just, over the long run, winning more. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So you, you got into the startup world, and you have some awesome startups you're working with right now. Talk talk to me about some of the startups you're doing and what you guys are getting involved in right now. Yeah, so the biggest startup right now is uh, Kinosol. So myself and three other Global Resource Systems uh, students, we entered the Thought for Food Challenge, which was put on by two big sponsors, Microsoft and Syngenta. And the idea behind the competition is to figure out an innovative way to feed nine plus billion people by the year 2050 or, or how to go about addressing food security issues. So we created a mobile solar dehydrator for subsistence farmers in developing countries so they can battle post-harvest loss. So that's, that's my big one right now. We've had a lot of momentum, a lot of good results with that. You've, you recently just won a competition, didn't you? Yeah, we've actually uh, we made it to the finals in most competitions we've entered, and we recently won back-to-back -back competitions. Uh, won uh, the Innove competition out of Minnesota. Uh, we won a grant for thirty-five thousand, and then uh, the very next week we won the John Papa John Business Ventures competition in Des Moines, Iowa, for five thousand. That's a good start, man. That's a lot of money put towards your startup, and you guys. The one thing I I love about it too is. Three years ago, I took the same class you did with Kevin Kimberly in Ag Entrepreneurship. It's Econ 334, correct? Yes. Yeah. So anybody out there, if you're in college or you're looking to take an awesome class, uh, this class is awesome. It'll set you up. I, I took it. He's taken it. When I took it back in 2012, my last semester, I had this idea called the Arctic Stick, which I talk about all the time. And... I developed it there, I won the class competition, and then from there I just moved forward. And it's really set me up for everything. I mean, turned into a podcast, turned in, I could talk all day. But that entrepreneurial atmosphere of someone giving you an opportunity to come up with your own idea and spend the whole class time working on it is awesome. It's amazing what it does, and you can relate to that too. I mean, Yeah, it was a great experience because from day one he – you could tell that the class wasn't going just to be lecture, lecture, exam. Uh, he gave us a book called The All-In Startup, which was awesome because it related to the startup world and World Series of Poker. And then we all had to develop our own business idea and by the end of the class actually present to potential investors. And like you said, you had, you had won that yeah. uh, back when you did it. Yeah. And from day one, Kevin Kimley just, he has that mindset of, the entrepreneur mindset, I should say, instead of uh, 
very much like teacher-esque, you know, and uh, like standardized tests. You know, schooling, education anymore. He takes a different approach. He takes a entrepreneurial kind of approach. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. We're helping other entrepreneurs because at school, you can't learn all the stuff that I'm bringing to you from meeting people like you that give you real-world advice on what they've done, their failures, and success. A case study can do so much, but when you get that real-life advice, that is what entrepreneur needs. They need to learn from people who have failed and succeeded and seen everything in the trenches. So that's why I think this is awesome, and I think education should kind of move more towards that if you're an entrepreneur. I believe there's going to be more entrepreneurs out there. I don't know about you, but like oh, definitely the way the world is anymore in our generation, we're we're the kind of ones that don't care as much about hey, going working that nine to five job. We want to go out and be disruptive. We want to start our own startup and conquer the world, and we're gonna run it and make it work no matter what because we don't believe. I mean, people says we can't do something. They're like, oh, you can't do it. No, we're like, watch me. I'll exactly. do it. I mean, you know that from being in a startup. You're going to have so many people look at you and be like, dude, what's that? You're not going to succeed. They'll, they'll give you nine reasons why it's not going to work, and then you'll pick that one reason out of the ten and focus on it and make it happen. So you and I could talk about that all day. So you, you got Kinsall, and tell me so exactly what does this product do, Kinsall? So our main focus is subsistence farmers in developing countries. Uh, every time a harvest season comes around, a lot of their produce is wasted because it just it gets to the point where it's rotting on the vine because they don't have post-harvest techniques set in place and they don't have any way to extend the shelf life. Yeah. So we wanted to focus on something that, you know, you can slice up your mangoes, throw it in here. The power of the sun can dehydrate it. And then we wanted to take it one step further and offer storage. So... A Kinosol unit has the dehydrator component, and then below that, it has a Mylar-lined storage drawer, so it can extend the shelf life up to six months. And then we wanted to take it one step further after that, so we created a, we basically added an axle and bicycle tires with a bicycle hitch, so subsistence farmers can share the Kinosol unit throughout their communities, or they can take it to market with their excess produce, so we actually want them to have entrepreneurial opportunities as well. What's your long-term vision? with this we would really like to take a big chunk out of the post-harvest loss numbers i think we we definitely can we already have three partnerships in three different developing countries that uh we'll all be doing field testing for us over this summer yeah i i mean i love the idea you guys contacted me here on a couple of months ago and i think it's a great idea and it'll really go to that level it just takes time i mean as you can see like, we're looking at your prototype here in your room it it doesn't happen overnight. No, no, no. <laughs> the first few prototypes can be ugly, but it's given you a basis, a foundation to work off of and eventually get you to that point where you're at your final product. It's selling and you can look back and be like, dude, I spent all that time and money, but you know it's worth it. Exactly. All them competitions going up to Minnesota, going to Iowa, presenting from all these people, nervous, like it's worth it. And for startups out there, people that have an idea – Go through with it. Keep with it because it takes a lot of time and there's be times which you know, you just want to quit because it's tough. It's a bitch. Entrepreneurship is hard and that's why not everybody can do it. They're not. It's not for everybody. But people like us, we believe in something 
we move forward, we never give up, and eventually it's going to succeed. That's so, right. So you have other startups too. So tell me, not only Kinsaw, you, what you were telling about this app, tell me about this app idea you have, which is awesome, and I think it'll really help people as well. So I'm in the really, really early stages, um, having the front end built uh, basically right now, and it's called Save and Raise. So it's an app for drivers to download and use for free. And they once they download and agree to the terms and conditions, they can flip through a list of local charities. They choose a charity, and then they start driving for that charity. So for every uh, hour that the drivers are driving without using their social media and texting while driving, then X amount of dollars is donating to, donated to the charity. So essentially, I'm trying to cut back um, the automobile accidents that are involved relating to cell phones on the road, and then at the same time raise money for local charities. Which is a great cause. And you know, in today's world, so many people are on their phone. And I'll, I mean, it's a bad problem. People look on their phone, especially if you're in business. I mean, you're always wanting to look, update, you said your Facebook or look at your email. But when I'm driving down the road, you always witness people doing it. And like oh, some scary. people, they like, they, they're waiting at a stoplight and they're looking at their phone and it turns green. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> and it's sad because so many people are dying from this too, because people looking at their phones, they end up hitting somebody or whatever it is. So I like your idea. It's, it's awesome. It's just in the process. See, where are you at with that? What stage you're trying to develop this app right now? Yeah. So in the fall of this year, I'll have a uh, beta testing begin in Ames and that'll be, uh, you know, a couple dozen users that drive and commute to work every day will yeah. begin using it and I'll collect the data and go back to the drawing board and assess and fix whatever needs to, needs to be fixed. And then I want to eventually do a soft launch, uh, maybe six months after that. So a lot of work, a lot of time left, but it's all starting to come together. You know, apps, I, I once experienced for a competition where these people wanted to get awareness for their app. So we spread this thing out and blew it up. I mean, I think we had 10,000 downloads in a week because all these people went out and tried to get awareness of it. I went and talked about it and everything else. Well, everything went wrong, and they're trying to get it to work right. For one, it'll go on certain – it'll go on an iPhone, but it didn't do all other phones. Okay. So, like, you learn from that process, but it's hard because people will be like, dude, your app sucks. But it's not going to be good at first. I mean, you got to learn from that and keep developing it. So, I mean, anybody doing an app out there, you got to have a lot of patience. And what what does the app even cost? I heard 50000 if you want to get a good app implemented. Uh, definitely over 10000 uh, it, it all depends. Like, the, the biggest cost, from my understanding, is I want in-app GPS. So once a driver agrees to start driving for a charity, anytime the GPS detects that they're going between 15 and 80 miles per hour, uh, then it's locking them out of their social media apps and texting. So in order to have that implemented within the app itself, uh, that's that's a lot more expensive. So thankfully, I have some friends working on it right now. So wh where do you even go? I mean, if somebody out there wanted to develop an app, who do they go to? I mean, I would. St is there so companies to contact or how do you do that i uh so from my limited experience i started with just researching uh other apps in the industry that kind of did the same thing yeah and i picked picked and choose or chose what uh what app features i liked within those uh specific driving safety apps yeah. and then i actually just ended up emailing them for more information on their apps so potential like future competitors 
You know, I just emailed them asking questions. Some of them responded to me and yeah. gave me information. Some of them didn't. And then once you have it all laid out for what you want your app to really do, then you can just start searching. Uh, nowadays, there's so many freelance app developers out there. You can find yeah. uh, multiple forums and uh, basically just start with Google. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I did anyway. Isn't that the truth? Everybody starts at Google anymore. That's right. That's how our world evolves. I saw a thing last night that said in 2020, there are going to be 50 billion devices that are hooked, connected to the Internet. 50 billion. I mean, you think about that. In 2020, I think we'll hit, I don't know, maybe 8 billion people. Eight or ten? I don't even know what Yeah, a little, little under uh, – we're supposed to hit like a little over 9 billion by 2050, so it'll still be – yeah. yeah, so just, we're going to have, what is that? You do the math. I'm not very good at math. But <laughs> 50 billion, you divide it by eight. So you're talking like six devices per person? Oh, at least. Uh, like, yeah. what? Everyone needs their, what is that? their three iPads mm-hmm. and their two phones and their four computers. I guess up. I look at it. I have, don't even ask me why. I got two, uh, two, what do you call them? iPods, two iPods. I got a phone. I used to have two phones and a computer. And well, I have four computers actually. Don't ask why, but <laughs> all this stuff you don't need it. Why? If we just have one device for all of it, all the other junk. It, that's how our society works on though. Everybody's got the next big thing. All these devices that hook up to the internet. But for somebody in the app world or business, it's blowing up. And tell me from your experience. I I didn't prepare you for this one, but like in the years to come. How do you think the internet, the power of the internet, is going to change how our world works as a business for making money or doing everything else? How do you think it's going to affect everything? Oh, man. Uh, I think everything will just be blown up way, way bigger than it is now. Uh, For instance... I mean, we think it's big now, but I think, honestly, we're almost in the the foundation of something way bigger. If we're going to hit 20 or 50 billion devices... If we can build our foundation now for our websites and our business, I think it's going to be insane, insanity. Yeah, I, I think the the biggest thing would be uh, everything's going to go like grow exponentially now. So, for instance, you know, five years ago where technology was at, and now we're five years down the line, and people might think that it's just progressing linearly, but it's not. Now we're at that point to where. Uh, I mean, flying cars are probably right around the corner, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I think a lot of people out there, you have to start thinking really, really big and really, really bold. Uh, and like there, there's this big movement for social good startups. There's this big movement for environmentally friendly startups. And I think that's something that, uh, our generation is really focused on. Like the millennial generation, we realize that we've been using our resources uh, very inefficiently. So we're going yeah. back and trying to figure out these problems to make, um, to get more out of less, uh, how to be more consciously aware of what we're actually doing to the environment. Or we're going to so consume on. all our resources from this planet. I mean, you're right. We, we use everything and we're careless. And if you look at people in our countries, I mean, they, they don't have anything. I mean, to have them look at a phone, they'd be like, wow, what is this? Mm-hmm. Some literally there are people out there like that. So we, we take it for granted here in the States, but you were talking about startups. We we're talking before how you're looking to try to get in the Ames area, your own startup boot camp. That interests me because I'm, I'm actually in June going down to Arkansas to lead a startup boot camp. I love doing that stuff, speaking to startups and being around the atmosphere and 
just breathing. I mean, it's your own family community. Tell me what you have intended for that. So one thing that I feel like Ames is lacking, not just from the student population, but from like small business owner uh, population, because Ames is, it's a great town. And every year there's more and more students. The, the city is expanding. Like there are more and more apartment buildings being put up. And I think a lot of people have really, really good ideas, but they don't necessarily know of a place to take their idea to get the next step. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are turned away from if someone told them that they could go meet with one person, but they'd have to go to this office building and sit down and explain their concept. That would that would just scare them because from from the very beginning steps, they'll be afraid to fail. And I think if I can bring a, a group of, you know, 25, 30 people that have very early stage ideas together and then I can tell them my story about how failure has helped me in every single aspect of my life, then I think that they can at least be more excited to turn something from paper into the, the next step or take their idea they've had in their head for years and, and start to get it out there. And I think that I can bring together the resources needed and, yeah. and the people needed to really make it a successful event and start up uh, aims as a community of really uh, like progressive, uh, like a startup community that can basically take the ideas and you know, turn them into a business in 90 days. So, of course, there's the Iowa Startup Accelerator. There's a lot of uh, other opportunities popping up, but I feel like Ames just needs a community-based beginning early stages. I agree, and you know what? They need a group like us, the 20s, kids putting it together because we can influence them more. I mean, back when we were younger, you're more likely to listen to your peer than you are somebody older. I mean, you need the mentors, but if we're going to start a startup community – if you have a bunch of kids that are 25, 30 years old going out and doing this, I mean, that that's something I would – and I honestly would love to help you with that too because I believe in that. My grounds are here in Ames, Iowa, and uh, I think it's for a great cause. It really can do a lot of good for people. And go back to the failure. I, I, I say this all the time in every show. Don't be afraid to fail because failure is what makes you better. Failure is what makes you – Find out who you are as a person and what your capabilities are. Your biggest failures, I mean, like Napoleon Hill says, your biggest success is right beyond your biggest failure. So you'll fail, but your mindset goes in a totally different mode and allows you to be able to figure out who you are and what you're capable of doing. And you've done that with the poker, with everything you've done. Got up and leave in Denver and sell everything and take a whole new lifestyle, but you learn from that. And then your experiences that could really take your business to the next level. So getting to the end here, let's, I want to ask a couple questions about you. So first off, who have been your big mentors or influencers throughout life? Well, I was in Denver. I kind of hit rock bottom and uh, I was kind of just searching around for, I was kind of just searching for answers to life. And I wasn't sure if I was doing what I, what I was supposed to be doing. And uh, so I discovered uh, James Altucher. He has a really awesome blog, and he kind of just lays it all out there. He's not afraid to write about anything. Oh, he does. And he just, yeah, he's. I get him weekly. His posts are awesome. Yeah, he he's amazing. He was my first big influence, and then uh, around the same time, Tim Ferriss, the Four Hour Work Week, Four that, Hour Body, Four Hour Chef. That guy's killing it right now. Have you seen his new uh, Tim Ferriss experiment? Yeah, I just heard he just launched I it need on to watch iTunes. Him yet. Yeah. 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 Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, they, they were two of my biggest influences. And, of course, I had a lot of supportive friends and family. And 
for for me moving to Dublin uh, and getting back into a community of a bunch of poker players, um, all of them they they have very non traditional backgrounds and they have a different view on life. So it was awesome, and I, I fell in love with Ireland for sure. And to this day, like I can't wait. I'm going back in about three weeks. I'll be over there for a month and a half. Oh, and I'm uh, jealous. <laughs> and I oh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm really looking forward to it for sure. Uh, but I would say James Altucher and Tim Ferriss, I read their blogs and listen to their podcasts throughout every week. Yeah. Uh, but then since I've been around Iowa State, uh, there's so many faculty members that are so supportive of Kinosol and my other uh, ventures. And I would say Kevin Kimley uh, being an on-campus mentor, that's been huge Yeah, for one of success. mine too. Mm-hmm. Kevin's been awesome. And now he leads a lot of startups like you guys to me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, cool exactly. to get that and kind of see – where they're at and try to help them get to the next level. So if you were going to, so you gave your top people, your influencers, what would be your top tips to young entrepreneurs for success over the years, everything you've learned, what would be your tips to them after going through all the heartache and all the hard times you had with poker business, everything? I would say Definitely don't be afraid to fail at any stage. So early stage, you know, you might have come up with an idea and you might take it into or take it to one of your buddies and they might think it's a stupid idea, you know, but it's it's really hard to. I guess it's, it's really, really hard to have someone else see exactly what you are thinking. So with an early yes. stage idea, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to take all of that negative feedback, you know, and, and don't get angered by it too. like learn from it. You definitely want to be learning from every single mistake you make. So you don't make that mistake again, or you can pivot and adapt and, and capitalize off of that mistake too. Exactly. So the, the failure would be my biggest tip. Just don't like, I'm a giant failure. I try and tell people that every time I get a chance to, like I failed at so many things, um, so many jobs, so many projects, so many classes at Iowa State back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then also in this day and age, I think too many people try to look at traditional business sense. So they, they want to have something that's that's safe. So like a brick and mortar, somebody wants to open up a restaurant or, or something like that. And I think people need to look bigger and bolder, especially in this day and age of globalization. And you have access to resources throughout the world and i think people need to address the problems on a super super large scale which you'll have a lot of haters out there that'll uh listen to your big bold idea and they'll just think, think it's you're nuts crazy. but yeah yeah you know like solving world hunger or something like yeah. that but it all it all starts it starts somewhere for sure yeah so don't be afraid to fail don't be afraid to think big and then as far as getting feedback goes understand the person giving you feedback understand their past and you know what they have experienced in their life and if it doesn't align with what you have experienced and what you want to experience you know just uh just take it very very lightly with whatever that feedback is you're so right on i mean that's great advice for anybody out there but when you're talking you go to somebody and you're right your idea is very unique to you and nobody's going to understand your idea like you are so they don't see the success or see the the golden thing that you see and i mean that's for anything when you go up and talk to somebody about their idea you're you're gonna think the same way to them but they see something that is hidden and you're right take that advice and don't get mad about it i mean just use it for fuel and try to better yourself and eventually you'll get to that point 
And over time, you'll get their attention, and then they'll say that, oh, I always said you're going to succeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that reminds me. James Altucher always says that uh, a third of the people won't care what you're working on. A third of the people will really support you, and a third of the people just won't believe in it or you know won't support you. Yeah. And I think that's so true. So you have to understand that going in, you're not going to have 100% of everybody that you no. meet be a fan. So. No. Eventually, you'll get to the point where they'll believe you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So last thing. You gave me the tips. What would be a tip for any person out there that wants to go play poker, professional okay. poker? Uh, so what you've learned, and obviously, if you're going from you invested fifty bucks and got it to eighteen thousand, and then from winning thirty thousand dollars in eight hours, what can you give for advice to these people that want to pursue it as a full time living? So I guess here in the states, you'd have to play live. So you'd have to understand. Um, Make it worth the trip to the local casino. Uh, pick the smaller games to start. Uh, there's, there, there's so many internet site like sites out there for training that uh, that allow you to subscribe and you can watch training videos. Uh, you can learn the math behind uh, basically everything, any game you want to play. And so I'd start with training and understanding the fundamental approaches, and then just start small, and then avoid watching poker on like tv because that's that's the media side so that's the glamorous side so you only see like the top one percent of the results yeah so avoid that so you don't find yourself uh, trying to play too high of stakes early on or trying to take shots and then you you ruin your bankroll so essentially your business goes bust so that's that's good stuff so where can people find you clayton for uh your blog uh yeah so claytonmooney.com is my blog and then they can also find we just launched uh Kinosol's website it's getkinosol.com so k-i-n-o-s-o-l and uh throughout the coming months we'll be posting video blogs and summer field testing pictures and everything awesome. like that so they can also email me uh clayton at getkinosol.com check it out guys i mean a lot of great stuff you got going on interesting man i mean you are one of the most interesting mans in the world, being the poker guy, startup guy now, and everything you're doing. I'm excited to see what Kinsall's going to do. You guys have something huge there, and I really mean it. So thank you for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much for having me. And in the meantime, guys, you know what time it is. It's time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brandon Adams. Have a great day, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's show with Clayton. I had a lot of fun with him, especially when we did the podcast show. We're sitting in his apartment and he was small. It reminded me of my dorm days. And I really felt like I was in college again. I not going to say I miss the college days, but there are some parts of it that were a lot of fun. But it was a great show. And if you guys want to check out the notes about everything that happened on the show and more, check it out on my website. It's www.brandontadams.com. If you have any questions for me, you can send me an email, brandon at brandontadams.com. Thank you guys for your support. I really appreciate it. We got a lot of momentum here. If you guys love my show, feel free to go to iTunes, give me a five-star, and review. I, I would love you and appreciate you for it. And it would really help us for getting more viewers and getting this to the next level. Also, I'm excited. Coming up, we got a lot of stuff coming out. I got a webinar coming out in the next couple weeks. 
It's gonna be a webinar, a free webinar on product development. If you have an idea, any kind of idea, I'm gonna teach you how to turn your idea into reality throughout the whole process of product development, manufacturing, and even crowdfunding, how to get your product funded. So you're gonna to wanna to watch for updates on that. It's gonna be an awesome webinar, some free stuff, and we're gonna help you take your business to the next level. So that's it for today's show, and in the meantime, you know what time it is. It's time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable, because life is too short not to. I'm Brandon Adams, have a great day everybody.